Archie's here. Betty's here. Veronica too. Reggie's here. And here comes Jughead and Hot Dog too. So everything's Archie. Come on, let's go with the Archie Show. Welcome to the Archie Digest. It's a Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast. It's a town. <laughs> like dead people. It's ice. It's very snowy in Vancouver. I mean, Riverdale. Uh, this week we're talking about Chapter 13, The Sweet Hereafter, the season one finale. Uh, I'm Chris Hayner. I'm Craig Byrne. I'm and Russ Burlingame. Also, <laughs> I'm Michelle Curran. And the special guests that we had promised for our next episode, like two episodes ago, we're still going to record. But Michelle is really special anyway. So, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we actually yeah. we're going to have a bunch of like special guesty stuff coming up because I have uh, I have already some audio with Roberto Aguirre Sacasa or Aguirre Sacasa, excuse me, and uh, some audio with uh, Marisol Nichols, which are. Neither of whom is the person we were teasing as our special guest, but both of whom uh, I told them I'm going to use some of this interview to, to do Archie Digest with. So, uh, are we right. still shocked? Yes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was one, I mean, in both a good way and a bad way, this episode was just really, really packed. It was so dense. Yeah, there, like was, it, there was a, yeah, there was a lot to get through, but I'm not really mad at any of it because it's all stuff that I was like, "Ooh, this is fun developments." Lord, how long do I have to wait to see what happens? Yeah, I just like you know, in watching this, you know, as soon as well, we'll we'll get to the end of the episode when we get to the end of this episode. But I was just like, "Damn." Um, and I think a lot of the things that I personally had predicted for the finale did not come to pass. Like, I kind of expected to see, like, a Jason flashback, for example. You know, so we could learn more about why Clifford killed him. Or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did they really fly Trevor up just to film him underwater? <laughs> when that's we were, that's when that's we were up there on speak. set? I mean, it's possible it's that. It's also distinctly possible this episode was eight minutes long, like almost every other episode this season, and it had to get cut. I yeah, know that I mean, when I spoke to Marisol uh, a couple of days ago, she told me that uh, she didn't know exactly what had made it into the finale, but there was a lot of Hermione. And like there was, relative to previous episodes, a lot of Hermione in this. But the way she made it sound is that she had shot enough for like 10 minutes. Oh. They need to put all this on like the DVD set so people will actually buy a DVD set. Honestly, I don't think, especially with it going to Netflix the week after it comes out, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think DVDs really, I don't, just put it on YouTube. They've been releasing the little deleted scenes here and there on YouTube. There's a long summer ahead of them. They can keep interesting stuff. They just keep dropping little things on YouTube. Yeah, they released yeah. a uh... DVD sets are cool, but they're the past, Craig. But that's why you need to give people an extra reason to buy it. And if you got like longer cuts of episodes of Riverdale, that would be a reason to buy it. Hopefully, 
I will say that one of my favorite things about Psych is the fact that usually about once a season that you, you'd get like the extended episode on the DVD. Mm. Um, Comic-Con panel. Yeah. And the Comic-Con panel. <laughs> I'll say too that the, uh, um, in terms of what Chris was talking about, there is a deleted scene that already has been released from tonight. Uh, Chris, I'm sure, ran it. I ran it. People who I tweeted got, it. <laughs> yeah, people who got showrunner. Terrible. Yeah, it, it definitely it's terrible and needed to be deleted. <laughs> but we we needed to have hot Reggie <laughs> at least one last time. Yeah, uh, but I, Reggie hitting on pregnant Polly was gross. But Reggie's gross. We expect that from him. Okay, it's gross, but also that wasn't my concern as I was watching it. In my mind, I'm like. Why is Polly magically a cheerleader again? Whose idea yes. was it to make the pregnant girl a cheerleader? Also, <laughs> she's not even technically yeah. enrolled in school. She just showed up for a day. Yeah, that, I had so many questions about what was happening. Yeah, I don't understand why she was in that uniform either, but it was nice to see Reggie again, even for five seconds. Goodbye, but, Ross Butler. Yeah, I really Goodbye. hope they do an okay job recasting him. I'm a little concerned about that. But oh, I, you know, I realized I have a new idea for that. By the way, what's that? I think it should be Sarah Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it needs to be like the new Reggie needs to just like take off a Ross Butler mask and be like, "I was just messing with you all, haha, <laughs> suckers." Because that's what comic book Reggie would do. Lives. Yeah, it's like I was just wearing this mask. This wasn't really me. And underneath but, the mask is Sarah Chalk. Any particular reason why Sarah Chalk? She's because she Becky replaced... Oh, she's Becky okay. with the good hair. That's right. You've never seen Rosie. God. <laughs> I, I have not. Well, it's coming back. Let's see which Becky they get to come back. Both. They need both. They'll, they'll do it like when they had Aunt Morgan in the Girl Meets World finale. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Did we ruin that one for you, Michelle, no, or did you see I that, already? that already? Okay, good. Twin Peaks, Leela and Palmer did it. I'm not. I'm. I'm just not going to watch it because I figured if I just keep listening, Chris will just tell me the whole show. Do you know who killed uh, Lily Kane? No. Oh, uh, Lisa Rinna's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, Harry Morgan, Dean Morgan, something Morgan. I don't know. Harry, no, Harry Morgan was on Mash. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting because he was like ninety years old when Veronica Mars was on the air. Yeah. <laughs> I think of him as not uh, Kurt Russell. <laughs> Lisa Russell. Yeah, I could see that. But that's another show. That's a whole other. Show. Yeah, that's another show. Um, and we already let's... have enough to talk about with this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, so let's at the very beginning. One thing I liked is Jughead was not the only narrator. I loved yeah. that to kick off the episode. Wait, yeah. he wasn't. No, who was the other narrator? Alice Cooper. I watched that episode twice, and I didn't notice it either time. <laughs> yeah, well, because Jughead, Jughead uh, narrated up to the point where he talked about a narrative began to take shape. And then, oh, essentially, yeah. all along, it's been, you know, this has been Jughead's version in the blue and gold, basically, that's been telling us the story. And as soon as he said that a narrative began to take shape, the, like, official narrative from the town paper takes over, and it's Alice. Yeah, okay. 
I really liked the way they cut that scene, like how they're both uh, very similar looking, like they're both drinking coffee and it it flowed really nicely together. And they both love Betty. And they both love Betty. Do they? They do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, why don't we jump right into, because this is one of those episodes where you could almost go scene by scene because so much stuff happens. Um, yeah. I mean, I had to watch it twice because I felt like it was like sensory overload the first time. Yeah. Like there was just so much stuff happened. And I'm like, I have to watch this again because it, especially in those first few minutes when they are narr- narrating, they throw so much information at you. You're like, hold on. I have to rewind this. What did they just say? And they threw the ultimate pun at us. They're like, it's the ultimate cliffhanger. Cliff yes, Cliff was hanging. <laughs> uh, like, it's almost like they made Cliff the Clifford Blossom the killer just to write that line. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. I loved it. Totally worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of like the whole thing where they're like something about wicked and then they say which is and it's like, yeah. oh god. <laughs> another, actually another interesting thing, uh, got, talking about uh, Clifford Blossom is last week we talked about, uh, I believe it was that Roberto had told Chris or somebody had told Chris that uh, there were multiple candidates basically right up through halfway through the season. And then they finally committed to, to Clifford. Um, that was, yeah, that was what Roberto told me. It was FP uh, Hiram and Clifford. And then at a certain point, Hal Cooper. And what's really funny about that is that apparently all season long, so for a good chunk of the season, they were lying. Um, all season long, uh, Marisol was telling me that uh, the producers were telling the cast, it's somebody you saw in the pilot. That's right. Wait, they, they did mention that when we were on set the very first time. Yeah, which ultimately well, proved to be true. Well, we do see Clifford in the pilot, yeah. We see yeah. him in the pilot. But, but what I mean is that you don't see FP in the pilot, and you don't see... Uh, Hiram in the pilot. You also don't oh. see Sheriff Killer in the pilot. God hey, damn it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> One episode is all I ask for. Well, there were like three episodes before we ever came up with a theory, to be fair. I don't And remember. I still, I mean, he cannot be that innocent even now. Absolutely not. He would I mean, you know, he's he knows not the boss of Mayor McCoy. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see where they take that next season. I think one of the things that uh, still needs to be answered is who planted the evidence on FP and when. And so that to me is certainly a thing where uh, like, and again, like I'm trying to have a, like a serious conversation and not piss off Chris, but just like actually talk about like my <laughs> suspicions about the plot. But like, but I do think that there is a conversation that's going to have to be had about like, okay, just practicality wise, that seems really likely to be somebody in the sheriff's department. It was Deputy Andy. Exactly. Or Lucy. I think it was Kevin. Well, and like him letting Clifford even go in to speak to FP was, I mean, that's like, why, why would you do that? That's not okay. That's that's not legal. It's not, it's not legal, but at the same time, like, I don't think that necessarily speaks to like any real level of corruption. I mean, the fact that Keller has been established to have a really good relationship with the blossoms. uh, He could very easily basically say, Hey, you want to talk to your kid's killer? That's on you, man. I wouldn't do it and walk away. Um, 
and it and not know that Cliff was going in to blackmail or to you know to threaten or anything like like I've heard some people talk about that on Twitter too and and I like I I totally understand why but I feel like that's not legal but I don't think it's indicative of a larger pattern of corruption whereas like the mishandling of the evidence has to come in someplace and I feel like especially after the whole thing where they really pushed the idea of loyalty among the serpents so far this episode. The notion that, like, well, it could just be one of the serpents pretty much goes out the window. Mm. Um, by the way, in our uh, social media adventures this evening, I think my favorite thing that I saw was uh, uh, Martin, one of the guys who works at the, the comic shop in Oswego, New York one of my favorite comic shops um, during the sex scene sent me the message. I hope little Jughead is wearing a crown. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite tweet is when Archie comics spoiled the surprise guest for the West coasters tonight. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's what they've been doing. Like that, that that's been kind of the, the social media MO for, for Archie. I mean, yeah, giving away Zombie Jason, uh, and then everybody gave away the Jughead uh, dream sequence, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I will say about the Black Hood, um, and, and I don't feel too bad spoiling that because we are a spoiler podcast for a post-show discussion. Yeah, if you haven't um, seen the show, then... You then we're already ruining stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing about the, here's the thing about the Black Hood. You know, the, Wait, should we explain how, what the Black Hood is for anyone? Yeah, I was just about to do that, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Uh, the Black Hood is one of the Dark Circle superheroes. It's funny because several times Craig has joked about bringing the Dark Circle superheroes in. They used to be called the Red Circle superheroes, and they got like a gritty reboot, another Dark Circle. Um, but uh, the, the Black Hood is one of these guys. He's basically, if I'm remembering correctly, he's like an ex-cop whose family got murdered, and now he's a vigilante. Um, so certainly what we saw today doesn't match any, any black hood that would make sense in the comics. So we're not seeing the dark circle superheroes per se. What we're seeing is that this mysterious gunman had a mask and a leather jacket that looked very, very much like the black hood. And when I saw the pilot and when Chris saw the pilot, we both kind of remarked on this. And when I spoke with Roberto earlier today, I asked the finale, him, not the pilot. Yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, the finale. And uh, when I spoke to Roberto earlier today, I asked him about it. And his response was to say, he didn't exactly say the words, yes, that's the Black Hood. But what he said was very clearly, yes, that's the Black Hood. He said, I don't believe there are any accidents. So, yes, it's very possible that that was uh, an homage to the Black Hood. And then he further teased that in episode two or three of season two, Alice Cooper at the Riverdale Register is going to give that gunman a very particular name. They're and... going to call him the Comet. <laughs> or the Shield. The Fox. Fred's Fox. Murderer. They're going to call him Fred's Murderer. I don't believe for a second Fred's going to die. Hey, well, Dylan he... McKay came back from well, the dead, so anything's right. possible. So, as we're, as, since we're sort of just jumping into that whole how the whole scene played out. Mm. I don't think Fred's going to die either, but in talking to Roberto about the scene, 
he likened it. He, he was like, this is going to mean for Archie what Bruce Wayne watching his parents be murdered in Crime Alley was for Batman. Or what Peter Parker finding out that Uncle Ben had been murdered yeah. did for Spider-Man. I'm like, he's dead. But I don't think such an extreme... Like, that's a very clear comparison to make if he's dead. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, he said the same thing almost verbatim to me. And when I followed up on that, like, he said repeatedly shot, not murdered. Like, yeah. he, he repeatedly said, you know, that season two, a lot of it's going to be driven by who shot Fred Andrews. And he said shot, 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 shot. He never said killed. And so at some point I said, okay, let's follow up on this because you, you haven't said killed. Is it safe to assume that, you know, we're not going to find out until the season premiere whether or not Fred survives? And he said, yes. Uh, however, if you like Luke Perry, be, uh, be consoled by the fact that whether or not Fred survives, Luke will be in the premiere. He also confirmed my suspicion that we are going to see more of Molly Ringwald soon and probably for a longer period of time uh, as a result of this. Well, somebody's got to take care of Archie if you, you know, they're not going to let him be an orphan. Although there's so many like families in this show that are just like one parent. If you think about it, like Jughead's dad, and we don't, you know, his mom's nowhere to be found. I he guess Betty die. has both. Um, Hiram is coming back, so Veronica will have both. Sheriff Killer's wife has not been seen. Not even going to. He probably killed her. Response. <laughs> but you know, um, I uh, think they would lose still- a lot by losing, uh, you know, Luke Perry. But at this point, look at how many adults are on this show, and this is a CW show. So I kind of wonder about that. So here's the problem with Molly Ringwald coming back. She was terrible. She wasn't good. I love Molly Ringwald. The 80s John Hughes movies are my Bible. She wasn't good. And... But she can represent FP as a lawyer or something. Quickly in for like two episodes and leave. Or not. That's fine too. I honestly think... (laughs) that the way it'll play out is that she'll be in the premiere, maybe the second episode and she'll be gone. Cause I don't think they're going to kill Fred, but I think, and I talked with both, I think with all three of you guys about this over the course of the week, when we go to the upfronts, which is a week from today in New York, I strongly suspect that one of CW's upfront announcements will be that they're picking up Molly as a season regular for next year. Because I think that if you say she's a regular, it, feeds into the cliffhanger and it keeps that alive if because they can't do the same story with both archie and jughead the idea of like dad's gone mom doesn't want you we need a foster family now it's not going to happen for both of them at the same time it would be totally redundant and so in order to keep the the even the cliffhanger alive about fred even if you like me assume that he's going to survive molly has to be a regular because they can't just be like, Oh yeah, she'll be back for the premiere. It pretty much tells you that Fred will be fine by episode two. Well, or they could do what they did with Katie Cassidy at comic con and say she's a series regular and then only have her for like five episodes. That's pretty much what I expect to happen. Yes. But that's, I I still think the announcement will come next week. I'm half kidding, but I think Katie Cassidy should move to Riverdale. I'm just going to say it as what, 
I don't give chick? Sabrina. She gave me chick. There you go. And his brother, <laughs> who's had a sex change, and now he's a chick. Speaking of which, uh, one of the things that occurred to me as I was watching, um, I, I pointed out several times that I was suspicious of the fact that this family in the South Side is unnamed. Like these mysterious benefactors who come in and adopt Jughead. And there's there's three kind of different things, and I'd like to lay them out for you guys and, and see what you think. Uh, the first possibility is that somebody who has some kind of power or political clout or whatever in the South Side literally just did the paperwork so that Jughead can live in FP's place and basically be on his own. The second is that the reason they're not named is because the family name is Spellman, and this is how we're going to get Sabrina introduced. And then the third, because the, the child protective services worker did say that they've worked with this family before is the possibility that these are the same people who adopted the Cooper's son. Who in the comics is chick. Yeah. Who in the comics is chick. And I think for the sake, for the sake of ease, let's just call him chick going forward until he's got a real name. But mm-hmm. like trivia, first time Archie appeared, he wanted people to call him Chick. I think you mentioned that yes. on a previous episode. I don't remember yeah. whether or not Pep it, Comics twenty two or whatever. But uh, so, what do you guys think of those three options? Or if you can think of something better, what do you think is the deal with Jughead's foster family? I okay. I think it's either not going to matter. It's just going to be some rando family if they don't name because it doesn't matter. Or like I could see the. Chick thing that being being sort of that character now that they've sort of opened the door to the fact that there is uh, that there is a brother a- to Betty. Although, so in theory, he'd be what eighteen or nineteen? I get well. No, no he'd be older was, because they were in high school. Yeah, yeah Betty said mid twenties. What if he's the foster father? What if he's Miss Grundy's abusive ex? And what if that's how, like, we've dealt with this family before because chick dude, we placed him in a home. And now he's paying it forward by fostering someone else. Maybe. Although it does, it would strike me as really weird to have somebody who's in their mid-20s fostering somebody who's, like, seven eight years younger than them although that like that's a totally plausible like it's as plausible as any of the things i laid out well yeah it, i was and kind of related to betty's siblings were either were any of you surprised that polly made it to the end of the season intact still pregnant why i, I, I don't surprised. know i thought they'd ship her off somewhere so we didn't have to deal with babies on the show I'm surprised she didn't have the babies. Like I, I kind of expected them to do the like the hackneyed, um, somebody dies, somebody's born thing, uh, and that's not yeah. a knock on these writers because like when I say it's hackneyed and say I expected it from them, that sounds bad, but it's mostly just because we've talked in the past about how much they like to do like the parallel storytelling tracks, and that kind of dichotomy would be very much in the same school as stuff that they like to do on this show. I think one of my favorite parallels in this episode was the bit where Cheryl was in Veronica's place Mm -hmm. and she like, it's almost the exact same shot as when she was at the Sweetwater river in the pilot 
Yeah, after Jason yeah. drowned. I thought that was really clever, and I liked that. So, go yeah, Riverdale. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play her next season. Um, one of the things that Roberto told me was that she essentially feels that she burned away all of the things that make her weak when she burned the house down, that she burned away Jason and she burned away her parents. And that now she's a darker, stronger version of herself. She's Khaleesi. Well, the the weirdest (laughs) thing is that it kind of like the way he phrased it, he he phrased it a little bit better than I did. I can't remember what he said, but the way he phrased it, like once again, really feeds into this idea of like, okay, if we're going to tease Sabrina and the supernatural and everything else and not come through with it, like the way that he talked about Cheryl very much sounded like, cause he didn't actually say stronger. He said more powerful. And when you say darker and more powerful, I start to, my brain starts to go to, okay, so is she going to join a coven? Provided she didn't kill Nana Blossom. That's a very good point. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Somebody had tweeted that to me. Like <laughs> she burned the house. Where's Nana Blossom? That's a very good question. And also I guess that we're never going to get, closure on the uh, uh, the duffel bag that I was so interested in. Or Clifford's wigs. Like, why did he wear the wigs? Well, they said that he wore the wigs because he suddenly, his hair suddenly went shock white a la Leland Palmer. <laughs> oh, is that is that... You know what, though? That does make sense because I, I rewatched part of the pilot recently and he clearly is not wearing a wig there. Well, that's what we talked about that a little bit that like yeah. somebody, somebody had tweeted at us. Maybe it was even Michelle early on. Somebody tweeted at us early on. Like, is that the same actor? Because he looks so much different. And we went back and looked and it was just that between the pilot and episode two, he had a terrible hairpiece all of a sudden. And at the time we all kind of joked about it and we're like, well, it's the CW and wigs. Oh, the CW wigs are my favorite. I can't Hair wait to see the there. flashback wig on black lightning. I'm just putting that out there. Oh, I know. We're going to get like a flashback fro. I hope so. Yeah. I need well, all of those wigs to be burned. Just every wig in the CW hair department. It's, it's well, hopefully we're going to get like a video of like Stephen Amell burning the flashback <laughs> wig after <laughs> I, they're done. I kind of like the fact that, is it just me or in that last episode, did they imply that he he literally got a wig from... Uh, from Anatoly. I can't even remember. Because, like, oh. Anatoly hands him a backpack. Oh, and, yeah. And he says something like, this is for you. Nobody's going to believe there was a barber on the island. And Oliver just looks in it and laughs and says, thank you. And I'm like, wait a second. So they're, you know they're actually implying that the terrible flashback wig is a terrible flashback wig? You're probably right, because... When I interviewed Steven at the Arrow, and this is total tangent. No, that's the Arrow 100th episode party. I asked him, I was like, how are we supposed to believe that his hair is going to grow that much? And he actually said, don't you worry about that, Craig. And Mark said something very, very similar to me. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's it. So, yeah. Uh, You know. Um,. Should we move on to more of the episode? Yeah, yeah. We got kind of sidetracked by wigs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go for it. I, I guess the next big thing to talk about is Betty and Juggy because, and not, not you know, the person who tweets at us, but Betty and Jughead. Um, 
this was a really interesting I, uh, one of the reasons that I like their relationship so much is that I really feel like the writers have done a very effective job of putting believable, understandable obstacles in their way and having them overcome it in a mature way. Yeah. Uh, rather than the typical kind of TV thing that you get where as soon as there's a conflict, it's a crisis and it overtakes their whole relationship. Yeah. Well, uh, you really believe like why they're, why they're bonded. Like you get it. They've gone through so much together. Well, and now we know that clearly, uh, you know, Jughead must not be asexual because he clearly wanted to bang <laughs> Betty in this episode as much as Reggie wanted to bang a pregnant woman. That's true. That's tr <laughs> so I, I just had to throw that out there because I know Michelle was grossed out by it. <laughs> Michelle, do yourself a favor and never read the book Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> is that about like a really racist comedian <laughs> okay, <that's laughs> uh, jokes that people who listen to the podcast probably don't get like the same people who don't know who Joey Potter is oh man oh, that's I so sad I talked to Marisol about that actually uh, I, I related that story to her about how oh gosh you told her because yeah, <laughs> she was talking about how you know the the kids on set had to like watch stuff in order to understand the references being made by, you know, the, the 90210 Twin Peaks crowd. Uh-huh. And uh, she was, she was like, can you believe that? Like not, no, nothing against Lily. Not that you can't believe that people wouldn't know who Joey Potter is, but like, can you believe that it's that, you know, that, that, that there's that much difference? Yeah, exactly. We should probably give some background to the people who are listening right now. Um, basically, when we were on set, uh, was it October or November last year, Russ? I believe November, it was November I because it was the last day of the set visit. Yeah. So we were there in November, um, and I asked Lily Reinhardt if uh, Joey Potter would be one of Betty's personal heroes. And Lily's response was, who's Joey Potter, which made me feel instantly old. Not realizing that Lily was probably only like two when Dawson's Creek premiered. Yeah. So that does kind of make sense, Aww. but at the same time, it made me feel old as dirt. I was, uh, I was reading an article today talking about Betty's wardrobe and how like in the comics, she's, you know, way more like tomboyish, but on the show, they make her like kind of preppy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, one of the, the comments I made was that, uh, you know, when I watched Dawson's Creek when it first came on, that's who Joey Joey reminded me of Betty from the comics. Like I was like, oh, it's brunette Betty Cooper. Yeah, she was totally Betty, and the Veronica was the blonde, and Jen, Jen totally Jen, would have gone to the Met Ball. You're yes. damn right, she would have. There was actually and Archie is Dawson, and that's why Archie sucks. I'm sure. And notice, <laughs> Pacey is the better choice than Dawson always. Always. I kind of like Jughead is the better choice than anyway. <laughs> I, I, I certainly feel like we talked about this before, but worth pointing yeah. out. Uh, somebody has tweeted at, at me several times over the course of the time we've been doing this show. And we made all the Dawson's Creek references, an old graphic from, I want to say TV guide. Yeah. That was like from the week that Dawson's Creek premiered that basically said Dawson's Creek is Archie. Here's proof. And then laying out who was each Archie character. Except for it was Pacey, not Dawson, who slept with Miss Jacobs. That's true. You know, Miss Jacobs was the original Grundy. 
But I feel like, yeah, tomorrow. I feel like that storyline didn't paint her as much of a weird perv as, you know, in the end. You know, there's something to be said for painting Grundy as a weird perv, though. Yeah, it kind of redeemed the storyline a little bit. So. But we've been over that. We did a whole episode about the problematic Grundy. But uh, Austin's created uh, Jacobs is like. I heard none of that. Yeah. Can't tell if someone's talking or not. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Go again. Who? Chris. I didn't say anything. You, Chris. I didn't say anything. Uh, you said something about Dawson's painted. Oh, I don't know, dude. My internet sucks today. Yeah, Chris, uh, for for those of you listening who are wondering if Chris is still here, he is, but he's had to drop out and rejoin like three times. Yeah, I'm on my phone now. Oh. And even that's not working. Oh. It's great. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, the nice thing is that going in after this episode, we will have hiatus. And so, A, I will be looking for a more effective way to do the podcast. And, B, uh, if we really want to, there will be plenty of time for us to do a uh, like an analysis episode where anything that Chris doesn't get to say today, uh, he can have a say. You know, we've been talking about over the summer about doing things that are, you know, related to Riverdale – or, you know, reminiscent of Riverdale, you know, for the podcast, we've already talked about doing like a Twin Peaks episode. I think we need to do the Dawson's Creek pilot at some point as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool that. with you all. I, in fact, I, Chris, you were going to do a Dawson's Creek podcast at one point, weren't you? I'm still in the process of putting that bad boy together. <gasps> nice. Okay, well, hopefully we won't step on that if we do a Dawson's episode. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Well, but, that's kind of like yeah. me. Like, I'm doing an audio commentary for Josie and the Pussycats with Cameron Diordio, who writes Josie and the Pussycats, and a and couple me. of other folks. Yes, you, Chris. Um, I've asked at least one other comics journo to join who uh, said that he can, provided his employer doesn't object to him doing something with me. So, uh, what uh, about Haley Law? You need to get her own way. Pardon? Does he? Does he just? They just don't want to object to you personally because of the way you are. Well, probably that's, that's harsh. It, yeah. <laughs> but in any event, um, I did an Emerald City podcast about Josie and the Pussycats a long time ago, and I am very confident that like doing a feature length commentary, I still have enough to say about that film that I won't be repeating all the stuff that I said before. So. Nice. Uh, as long as you're really into something and you've you've put some level of thought into it. Like I, I'm confident that if we like at some point if we rewatched a couple of the earlier episodes, we could come up with almost entirely fresh takes on the first season of Riverdale. I, I think when my, Riverdale my is over, is like, oh sorry, I was just saying my questions about the first few episodes is like, why isn't there very much Jughead? It's true. Yeah. No, but if if we ever do that, I think we should. You know, when Riverdale ends in like six years, hopefully. Um, I know I'm being very hopeful. Uh, we should, uh, definitely go back to the early episodes and redo it. I mean, if shield can get five seasons, Riverdale deserves seven. It's true. I'm people just really, putting that out. I really like world. that show. Uh, one thing that I will say is, uh, I was looking at some, cause my wife watches Riverdale and, uh, is several weeks should. behind because she's in grad school and she has class on the night that Riverdale airs. Um, but uh, 
we've been watching, and right now we are up to chapter nine. We're about to watch The Lost Weekend the next time we actually um, sit down and do anything. And one of the things that's been really interesting is watching, like, she actually, we last time we sat down, we watched, I think, two or three together because she was way behind. And by that point, I knew who the killer was. And I, like, and, you know, I'd seen 12. And there's a lot of weird little things that people say in, like, six through nine where you're just like, man, that takes on a totally different meaning once you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, there's there's a bit in... I want to say six or seven where Betty talks about how she's lo- they're losing their identity and the family's falling apart. And soon there won't be a, there won't be a Cooper family name at all. <laughs> and to me, that's so, it's so interesting in the context of like a family name that was fabricated in order to get out from under the thumb of, you know, your relatives. Well, even, yeah. you know, there are a lot of things that, um, like I just posted on the YouTube channel, uh, interview with uh, KJ and Luke Perry at um, WonderCon, and even there, I think somebody could get some hints about this finale that aired tonight. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's the other reason why I think I actually do think that um, Fred could be a goner because it was Luke who slipped that there was going to be another death. See, I still well, took I th- that. I thought the other death was uh, Clifford Blossom. Oh, yeah, so did we. Well, here's the thing. It's really hard to it's hard to know for sure, obviously. But I will say that like, it would be a really weird thing for Luke to say, to say whatever it was that he said about, um, you know, it was, really, it was really soon for that person, but they deserved it, about Fred. Oh, I didn't oh, even think yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like the, the whole they deserve fair, the thing. Fred has done some shitty things the last two episodes. Yeah, and I do think we're going to find out that there's. I mean, one of the things that Roberto said when I was talking to him, I'm sure he told you the same thing, Chris, is that by the end of the season two premiere, the pool of suspects is going to widen significantly. And you're going to find out there are a lot more people who would have a reason to go gunning for Fred. Sheriff <laughs> <Jeff> Keller. <laughs> God damn it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but this is why I like Michelle. She laughs at my dumb jokes. Uh, I just love how mad Chris gets. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> see that time you sounded like the Simpsons version. Of <laughs> That's a terrible Nelson Muntz. Stop it! <laughs> how dare you! But, Worst um, months ever. Yeah, I definitely, going back to Fred, I thought he, mm. this episode particularly, you could tell there was like a lot weighing on him. And I, and I, I think you're supposed to, to infer that it's not just, you know, that FP is in jail and, you know, Jughead is now going to live with the foster family, like within him, you know, when you see him in the kitchen and he's like staring out the window and what he says to Archie about, we're all still in it. And yeah. then, like, Archie says at the end, oh, my dad wants to talk to me about something. That's why he wants to have breakfast. Like, there's definitely yeah. something that, like, Fred is, that's weighing on him. And well, we still don't know why he lied for Jughead in right. episode seven or something. 
Well, I see that's what I what I, that's what I find interesting. After last week's episode when he was essentially like, "Yo, Archie, Jughead has to get out." Like that was such a that was such a not Fred move that I wasn't expecting. That this week and once he and then he realized, you know, Jughead was sitting there the whole time hearing everything he was saying about how like the Jones family's a curse on this town. Yeah. Um and then so I feel like I feel like so much of that has to be weighing on Fred because he's also like he's clearly the the lodge connection has him incredibly stressed out. Mm-hmm. His uh-huh. son is doing all these things that his son has never ever ever done before. Although you can't really fault Jughead for Archie banging his teacher like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but there's speaking of lodges and things that Archie is doing, Veronica. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we'll, oh, we'll get there. Uh, yeah. But like that, I I feel like there was some remorse in Fred after acting so out of character for him last week. Yeah, I mean, and it's one of the interesting things will be when the new season picks up and we learn whatever we learn about what's going on with Fred. That I could ent- I could completely believe that either there's some other sinister thing going on that we don't know about, or that this was all the Jughead stuff weighing on him. I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. the idea, uh, like there's so much going on with that idea that like, Oh, well he wants to talk to me. It's usually something serious when we go to pops. Um, Because like, it's obviously not that he's angry about Veronica because Archie gets there. Fred calls him Casanova and sends him off to wash up. Um, But to me, it's like, is, was this conversation going to be about, Hiram Lodge was this conversation going to be about the DUI and all that stuff that he told Archie they talk about later uh, mm. you know that I mean, that's something that you forget about pretty easily because it almost felt like this is only here to give us an excuse to get Jughead out of the house right. but in the context of Fred needs to talk about something serious like maybe that's part of it right and then also too earlier when um earlier in the season, you know, when we find out that him and FP were partners and then he buys him out, you know, and FP says, well, that's his side of the story. You know, maybe that, that guilt about Jughead, there's, there's more to that. You know, he just kind of tells Archie, oh, FP, you know, was a bad guy, but maybe that was just him kind of saving face. Yeah. Oh, that's what's going on. My, sorry, my phone keeps going off and I just figured out why it's because I got retweeted by Madeline tonight. Um, oh boy! Oh, we'll look at the big man on campus. No, it's it's literally like, you know how sometimes it's like you say something really profound, and one of the pe- one of the actors retweets you, and you're like, "All right, I did good." Um, this time, the retweet was I joked about how she never gets into bed without wearing heels. It's true. Uh, but I'm like, my phone keeps blowing up and I'm just like, why is it still doing like, usually my phone's super active during the live tweet, but then it dies down. <laughs> just oh, imagine I if just... Cole had retweeted you. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I, I just don't have notifications turned on. Cause I can't handle that kind of nonsense. I actually, I actually don't have notifications turned on, but I forgot. I haven't turned them off for my email yet. And so my email oh. notifications are what's. The craziest notifications I ever got was not like Stephen Amell, which you'd expect, but it's when Julie Plek from the Vampire Diaries has retweeted me. Because those people, like, I'll get all these, like, tweets saying, like, Delano forever, Claroline, and it's like, Uh, 
Mm. Well, it's just like the hundred, the the like the hundred fans are so enthusiastic, and it's like that show. You wouldn't necessarily think of it because it has like a fifth the ratings of a show like Arrow, but you know, the engagement on social for the hundred is very much like the engagement on social for Riverdale. It's just there's it's overwhelming. Yeah, it was very angry this time last year too. So. Let's hope Riverdale doesn't get that angry. Yeah, so far I'm liking it. Um, certainly I think that this cliffhanger will be a little divisive. My wife told me outright that if they kill off Fred, she won't watch the show anymore. Well, speaking of which, I was freaking out watching this episode, getting worried that something would happen to Cheryl. I was like, no, you better not. You know, you know it's funny. Uh, I, I told Michelle this. I think I might have told you guys. I don't know, but... Last week, um, I can't remember what it was, but at the end of last week's episode, I I thought, man, Cheryl could totally commit suicide. Like, th- this is a plausible story development. Sure. And um, I'm glad she didn't. I'm also kind of glad that they explored, like, exactly how dark things are in Cheryl's head right now. Um, but it's nice that she saw that people care about her enough to – you know, punch their way to save her and break their hands. Yeah, I mean, I that actually, of all the stuff that happened this week, the Cheryl story was my favorite story. And oh. not just for all of the great stuff we got out of Madeline, but also, like, for all the joking we've done all season long about Archie being the worst, like, he came through in a big-ass way this week. Also, hashtag KJ lied to us. When we asked KJ, oh, is that cast because of something on the show? Oh, oh no, it's not what happened, eh? You know? <laughs> well, I, I'd i have to re-listen to that audio. I think we, I think that he didn't exactly lie to us, but that we read between the lines that he, that something else. Because uh, I think that we asked him specifically, this isn't about, because we had just watched Six and there was the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Football and, and he kept hurting his hand with Reggie. And, um, there's some foreshadowing. Yeah, and and we asked him at the time, like, this isn't about that, right? You're not going to, like, break your hand doing football stuff and then not be able to play music or whatever. And he said, like, no, no, I actually really broke my hand because I'm an idiot. Uh, so he didn't entirely deny that it was something that happened in the show. <laughs> we just kind of read between the lines that he denied it because it, it certainly seemed that way. Yeah, he can still play the guitar with a cast on his hand. Can we can we take a moment to point out how in a season with uh, two murders, KJ punching ice was the bloodiest thing on this show? That's true. <laughs> there was so much blood. Yeah. Like, it was everywhere. It looked like someone got murdered by his hand. To be fair, that's probably actually pretty accurate. Like, because it's water, like, as soon as you start to really bleed probably that's about what it would look like. But yeah, that was a horrifying image. And I do think that a lot of it played into the use of color. Like somebody was tweeting at me the other day about the use of color in the show and how much they, Oh, I know what it was. Somebody tweeted at me about uh, the use of blue in the show and how it reminded them of twilight. And I said, Ugh. I said, actually, you know, I prefer to think of it that's as disgusting. Like, that's a horrible comparison. Well, actually, it's funny because what happened was she said this and I said, 
Uh, I prefer to think of it as David Lynch, how he used red in Twin Peaks and how he used blue in uh, Mulholland Drive. Uh, and her response. Or, oh, well, sorry. That's, her, her response was, oh, my God, that's so much better. Thank you. Because basically, even though this was like a 20-year-old girl, and so I kind of thought maybe she was the target demo for Twilight, uh, apparently this was not something she was comfortable with, a show that she liked being Twilight. <laughs> well, I remember a certain TV show that I'm not going to name that when they were in a small town, it was very colorful. They had a lot of like blues and primary colors. And then when they went to the... Wait, when they went, yeah, Dukes so, of Hazard? Yeah, when they went to the the big metropolis of a town, it was like very cold and like you know not as colorful. I don't remember that and episode of Dukes of Hazard. Huh. Yeah, Supergirl. So you know, I mean, Supergirl doesn't really have a unique color palette when it goes to different places. It's just it's it's bright. It's the same one all the time. Supergirl's just the brightest show on the CW. It's so bright. It's it's brighter than Man of Steel. But, you know, I'm just going to irritate Russ now. <laughs> no, I, I actually love the look of Man of Steel, so don't get me wrong. So, well, that's But, you know, I really did like the color palette on that other Superman thing that I'm not saying the name of. Well, that's all right. We talked about I'm wearing a Superman Letterman jacket right now because it's cold on my porch. And can we point out that Southside High School... Yeah. Was also the Sisters of Mercy whatever place. It was. Because we were doing interviews in the same room where they had bad cell phone reception in that episode. But also, it's appeared in a ton of other shows, including the season 8 premiere of Smallville. God damn it. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) And that campus, it's it's actually a, a real operating mental health facility where only a handful of the buildings are out of... Like, there's a handful of them that are super creepy and decrepit and things, but it's a big campus. And so, like, there's a lot of buildings there that are still operational, and apparently the one we were in is going to get knocked down this year so that they can mm. uh, so that they can build another mental health facility. Uh, but that, like, that campus has been used in, like, the X-Files and uh, a bunch of stuff, Watchmen. Uh, and it was it was featured like three different buildings were featured in five different episodes of Psych, uh, including that building we were in uh, was focused or was uh, was the lunatic asylum in Psych the musical. Oh, and there are pictures of that we took when we were there on like all of our Twitter feeds tonight. Yes. Also, so. I found a condom machine while I was there. That's true, and we joked about that on the podcast because it was a nunnery. Oh, that's right. <laughs> See, it, it, it was a free if time. only Alice Cooper had one of those, she wouldn't have had to get rid of Chick. That's it true. Have broken. But how, like, did you guys, like, I mean, especially those of you who are familiar with the comics, like, as soon as we found out that Alice gave a kid up, did you get all excited and be like, she's talking about Chick, that's cool? Oh, yeah, I absolutely. Mean, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a, a, I feel like at various points, well, okay, Look at if we look back at when I don't even remember what episode it was, but it was when uh, Alice confronted Hal about like it, you just you did to her what you did to me back when we were in high school, and I feel like that's when we all started getting chick vibes. But 
we didn't know if she had an abortion or she gave it up for an adoption or if she lost. We didn't have any idea what happened. See, I so thought they, she had an abortion. Oh, see, I I was left unsure. He like he was like, oh. he took care of it, and I was like, well, that that could mean a lot of things. I feel like they would, if it was an abortion, they would flat out say it. But I love that this is a route they're sort of exploring because a we need some more weird Cooper family drama, and this is the perfect way to do it. Don't disagree. Cool. Okay. Come on, Craig. <laughs> you can say more than that. I know, right? I'm just like, I don't know what else to say. I like, felt it's... like that was a little rushed. Um, like, her confession. I kind of wish yeah. they had saved that for season two. Like, I think that could have been a good... Like, we didn't need, necessarily need that answer this episode. Um, and I thought, like, maybe once Polly had the babies, you know, there could be, you know, like, something where Alice gets upset and then Betty's like, what's the matter? And then she reveals that. Like, I just felt like that could have been saved for next season. It was like, because it happened so quick and so many things happened in this episode that it almost, like, I got mean, glossed over. Unless it's That's- tied to whoever adopted Jughead. Right. To be fair, though, that's the story of season one of this show. They tried to pack so much in to hook people that at times it all just got like confusing because there was so many twists and turns and so many revelations in every single episode and leading right through the fact because they wrapped way before they found out they were renewed. So right. they introduced all this, all this stuff and all these cliffhangers. Like, can you imagine if this was it for the show. It didn't get right. renewed. And now, like, we don't know what happened to Fred. We don't know what's going on with Junk. Like, we don't know any of the answers to this stuff. They really left themselves in sort of a very weird place should the show not have continued. Did either of you ask Roberto what the original ending was that wasn't the Fred cliffhanger? Did not, no. No, I didn't think to. That would be a good question for Upfronts for us, if you get the chance. Yeah, that's something I should probably do. Um, the uh, yeah, there was just so much to unpack in this episode that when we sat down to do a post mortem, yeah. it's like, okay, I, I can't. I did ask him because this was a thing that I don't remember if I shared this theory on the show or not. Um, when the last picture show aired, I thought maybe that the S shirt was for Southside. Ooh. Mm. And I asked Roberto, because if you remember way back in the November set visit, Cole had said that we would eventually learn what the deal was with the S shirt. Because uh, I think Leanne Aguilera asked him about that, like the bit of wardrobe. And um, he, he very much, he like teased it very much like he did with Hot Dog. Um, but when I asked Roberto, he said, oh, we didn't make that clear. I was like, well, I, I kind of thought that it was probably Southside, but no, there was never a point where it was made explicit. And he said, yeah, absolutely. Like that was why he's not wearing the S shirt in the finale because he's been wearing it on his chest this whole time. And just when he finally takes it off, he puts it on his back. Ah, okay. Oh, I like it. It was I mean, interesting. That, was, that wasn't clear at all, but I like it. Yeah. Same here. I, uh, <laughs> And that's one of those things where you're like, you don't want to be disrespectful to anybody when you're talking to the showrunner. And, and he's like, wait, we didn't make that clear. But I was like, uh, not, not really. <laughs> it was interesting to me to see how, I mean, 
with no offense to the Archie Yang, how happy Jughead seemed at Southside. Like he wasn't the outsider. Now see that's that's something I talked to Roberto about because I love that shot when Betty, Archie, and Veronica show up to quote unquote rescue Jughead. Yeah. And he's just sitting at a table, having like surrounded by a group of people, and it's like he and he's found his he's found his people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's not the outsider or the problem student anymore he's just one of the guys it's like it's in a weird way it's like his chance to be normal which is kind of exciting for that character so I understand why that would be uh, interesting to him or an attractive place to be because for so long he's been you know Donnie Darko uh, the goth yeah. kid the scary kid the, the weirdo and now right. he's just a kid with like very fast friends who seem to think he's really great. I think that one of the interesting <laughs> things is that I, I feel like Betty almost made that happen. Like I, I feel like the relationship with Betty and a taste of like normalcy mm-hmm. has created in him this desire to not be that guy. I think that's why you saw him really blow up about the hat in 10. And I, I think that like, what Betty has offered him and like the, the idea of companionship and stability and kindness. I think now that he has it, he really wants it. And that's why Southside is an attractive mm-hmm. prospect. But in case you haven't noticed, Jughead's weird. He's a weirdo. He doesn't fit in and he doesn't want to fit in. <laughs> he's, an, he's an outsider, you guys. But, and that's the, that's the Have thing. you ever seen him without his stupid hat on? That's weird. I, I, you know, we didn't talk about it at the time. I think calling the hat stupid was over the line. <laughs> I think since he's the one who said it, it's okay. It's like nobody beats up my little brother but me. That kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. I just that was my uh, that that was a thing that I, I I remember joking about with somebody who I was watching that episode with, and I don't I, I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast. I was like, wait a minute, we're all very proud of those hats. So yeah, the group of us, when we were on set for the first time doing interviews, we all had crowns of one sort or another. Yeah, like Chris went to like a Party City type store and had a jeweled crown. I had a Burger King hat, and uh, Russ actually made a hat. Yeah, I cut up a. I I, I had a fleece, and I I can't remember what happened, but I like somehow burned a hole in it, and so I was like, well, this becomes my Jughead hat now, and I like cut it up and pinned it together and made a hat. And it's great because when you look at our interview with Cole from the, uh, from that, that set visit, the video starts with him saying, Oh man, I love your hats. That one's really great. It's a little flaccid for me, but you know, to each his own. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so that became my, uh, like when a bunch of people responded on like the YouTube video, like what's he talking about with the hat? And I'm just like, yeah, I, I made my own hat and it was flaccid. So. You just can't keep it up. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there's not um, pregnant women in my life. Apparently. Oh, um. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't know where to, I don't know where to, I don't know what to say now. Hashtag RIP hot Reggie. Uh, you don't know who he's going to re- get recast as. He might be even more hot. 
We'll see. I, yeah, like I, Sarah Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to make this happen. Sarah Chalk. Hashtag Sarah Chalk for Reggie. That's, uh, we're we're going to have to start that up. Yeah. Okay, whoever's listening, Betty and Jeggy, Andy, tweet that now, please. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, let's see. What else have we not touched on? Because I feel like there was Hermione. Hermione, yeah. Oh, Hermione's God, evil. evil. Hermione, evil. guys, holy shit. Lady Mar- I think Hermione she- went to the dark side. I think she's the one that shot uh, Dylan McKay. Yeah, that you know, here's the thing. Up. Here's the thing. Uh, I had that same thought when I first watched the pilot. And in addition to the interview I did with Roberto, I was actually talking to Marisol, like, unrelated because her people pitched her to me like two weeks ago and I finally made the scheduling work and it was like oh man this is kind of fortuitous because now I've seen the finale and the first thing I asked her when I got on the phone I was like okay so be honest I know you haven't seen scripts yet but do you think that it was Hermione and not Hiram who sent the gunman after Fred and she like waited a beat and then she was like I do and then there was like a four-second delay before she finished her thought. Why would she say that? That's fucked up and not the way it's going to be. I don't know. You know she sent pretty a gunman evil. after the dude she was dating like a week and a half ago? Yeah, but he Come broke on. up with her. Here's, here's so my... she had him killed? Well, here's <laughs> my thing. What, what if she uh, essentially told the guy, shoot to wound, and this is a warning shot? But then she would have to admit to Fred that, like, you know that guy that shot you? I gave him a hundred dollars to do it. Ugh. <laughs> like that would be so weird. Well, when maybe, I maybe when Smithers I, is the black hood. <laughs> when I All talked right, to Roberto, I had already spoken with uh, her, I had already spoken with Marisol when I spoke to Roberto, and so I told him that Marisol thought she might be behind it, and that's when he told me the thing I said earlier about how when the season kicks back up that's going to be the big question is who sent this gunman and that, you know, you're going to have Hiram as a suspect. You're going to have Hermione as a suspect. And then there's going to be other people that open up. I mean, one of the things that people tweeted at me was the serpents might not know that it was Hiram and Hermione who screwed them over. They might not be very happy about being fired for no reason after they were loyal. Exactly. And the fact retaliation. Well, and the fact that loyalty was such a heavy theme in this episode would certainly feed into that. Yeah, they helped I mean, them out in a time of serious need, and this is this was how they got paid back. Yeah, and yet they want to protect Jughead, and they brought a friend to see Jughead, which I think we need to mention. Yes. Well, yes. Be- well, before before we get to that, just still on the topic of Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because I that was that was something that the whole the whole Hermione going to the dark side is something that fascinated me. So when I had my interview, I had to talk about that, and the takeaway. For that, from Roberto, was that net with the arrival? Clear, we know Mark Consuelos is joining in season two as Hiram Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his arrival, they wanted to make sure that uh, Hermione didn't play someone who is like cowering to Hiram and someone who is sort of bowing to Hiram. But it was some they want. They're looking to create like a power couple who are in this together, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to me because. Whereas in the beginning, 
of the season, we got like a very humble, very reserved Hermione and a very out loud New York City Veronica. They have completely switched roles by the end of the season. Yeah. I'll also say that's interesting. The idea of a power couple is interesting because one of the things that Marisol told me that she really wanted to get across in her performance was a sense of desperation. Like that she does what she does largely because she thinks that's how she's going to keep herself and her daughter safe. Which I understand to a degree, but I think they're like by the, by the point in this, in the finale, when she's asking, she's asking Veronica to convince her boyfriend to screw over his dad. Yeah. And like, to screw him for it. That feels like such a, that is such a self-centered place to go. To ask that of her child. And not only that, but also, like, I think one of the things that we really stuck out about that scene is that in previous instances where Hermione or other characters have tried to manipulate that kind of situation in this season Mm -hmm. they've never come right out and said it whereas basically veronica calls her on that bullshit right away and hermione's response is well yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true oh she's the worst but uh, but yeah so that i mean it's going to be super interesting to see how that develops and it'll be I don't know. I'm still not 100% sold that Hermione is in the like I I I'm kind of in that in that camp with uh with Marisol where I'm like, you know, I'm not 100% sold she's actually over to the dark side. I think she might be doing things that she thinks she needs to do. But uh fair. Certainly it's 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 hard to justify a lot of her behavior in this episode in particular. Well, I mean, even if it's doing it for the survival, as we've learned from all kinds of things, the allure of the dark, the lure of the dark side can be very like it's power. Like the I, whether you initially are in it for good reasons or not, power can be overwhelming and take you down. Yeah, and I, I think that that's got to be a theme next season. Another thing that was a big takeaway from my conversation with Roberto. Uh, we've talked a couple times about how they've teased the idea of a genre shift. And at the time we were thinking that that was going to be Sabrina related and that the show would go more in a supernatural direction. Talking with Roberto, I got a very different vibe. I think that it's going to go from a murder mystery in season one to almost a revenge story in season two, because the way he was talking, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Archie is going to essentially declare war on Hiram Lodge. Huh. Well, yeah, well, so, so the, way it was, the way it was explained to me is, A, uh, Veronica and Archie will still be together at the beginning of the season, uh, and Hiram is not going to like that, because as with the comics, Hiram thinks Archie's an idiot and not good enough for his family. Well, that's true. Well, that's true. Well, they're, listen, they're not, they're not wrong. But I, but well, in the comics, he's not really wrong either, especially when you look at the Mark Wade version where <laughs> Hiram's he knocks down his house. Yeah, Hiram's <laughs> problem with Archie is that he knocked down their house. That's fair. Archie <laughs> could do that in season two. But I think what we're going to see, I think what we're going to see in season two is now that Archie has an actual story and mm-hmm. a reason for growth, we might see him sort of start shying away from 
dumb teen who does whatever he wants to actually evolving. And I think having Hiram as his foil in that is going to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, that, like I said, I think you and I, I mean, it, it, it is what it is when you do interviews with these guys, there's talking points. And I think we probably got a lot of the same ideas coming out of our conversations. Yeah. Also, <laughs> he told me that he thinks Russ is dumb and smells like poop. I don't know what that means. I don't know. It's especially weird because you talked to him the day before he talked to me. Oh, he was. Oh, he was talking about from something earlier. Sorry. Yeah, apparently it's crazy. (laughs) But uh, uh, okay, so so what was the thing that I had brought up? Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. Yes. Well, I mean, we. I I guess we we sort of have to couch this in that the well. Did we did we talk about Betty and Jughead exchanging "I love yous"? No, we actually we we hadn't gotten that because this is all sort of one big scene in which so much happens. Yeah, like arguably more than anything else in the episode, which says <laughs> a lot because holy shit, so much happens throughout this episode from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, we have we've gotten off on relatively few tangents comparable to other episodes. And yet we're still at like an hour and a half and still going just talking about this show. Jeez. I might have to redo the cover that I made and make this a double digest. <laughs> Ooh la la. Um, <laughs> so let, okay, so let's, let's, let's start at the beginning of that scene and work our way through it. Uh, Boom, well, he, yeah, but well, or so we thought, but uh, Jughead says, first of all, Jughead being the one to say, I love you, Betty, and not respond, not being the second one to say, but being the first person to throw it out there. Yeah. Is such a huge thing for that character because he doesn't love anything or anyone. Well, and something that we talked about with Cole during our finale set visit was we asked him about, you know, when are we going to see you without the hat? And he talked about how the only time you really see him without the hat outside of that shower scene is when he's really emotionally raw and he's really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of him, he's not in the S shirt, he's not in the hat, he's essentially not Jughead in that scene in terms of costume. Uh, and he just puts it out there. Uh, that's a huge, huge scene for him. Absolutely. And I Hello. Hello. Did Chris die? Muted himself, I think. Oh yeah, Chris is muted. Chris, you're muted. I think that he's muted because he realized that he was breaking up and is dropping out and coming back in. Ah. Okay. (laughs) So technical difficulties. Yeah. So we can talk about Sheriff Killer while he's not on. <laughs> he's back. Oh shit, he's, he's back. back. I'm going to shut up about Sheriff Killer then. Oh, so here's here's what happened. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, you two bootlegs started playing in my ear and it cut me off from the call. Oh. oh. And I was like and I was like, is anybody still there? Am I alone? What did I do wrong? <laughs> iPhones are weird, you guys, but I love them. Where did we leave off? I'm sorry. Uh, I had just You were yeah, taking I, us through the scene and the I love yous. Oh, so given given what we learned in like clear, clearly this is a changed Jughead. Mm-hmm. He's 
he's getting along with people at his new school, even though they're all delinquent weirdos who are probably high. Let's be honest. They're probably very high. Um, but like, and then we get this um, very emotional scene, which is so not the jughead we're used to. It's after getting a very, like he, he was, he was very much a loner at the beginning of the show. We didn't see him very much. He sort of showed up now and then to seeing this entirely different person who can care about people and who actually loves people and has like ideas and hopes. And it's, it's nice, I guess, which I didn't expect to feel about Jughead by the end of the season. I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be a downer all the time. Yeah. I think that the, like, again, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I I really feel like the relationship with Betty has been really, I think it's been good for him on a lot of levels, Mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be good for his character because of all the relationships on the show, it feels kind of the most tethered in reality. Like, it's funny because even though they're both really fully realized, very complex characters, probably the least believable romance on the show was the Fred and Hermione thing. Like it all felt like it was based on nothing but the fact that they used to dig each other in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The Grundy and Archie thing was (laughs) (laughs) sort of weird. It was, but I, I, especially forgot it happened. I, you know, it's so interesting. It'll be interesting to talk with them like at the upfronts and, and at Comic-Con and next season and see with a longer view, what they think that added to Archie's character and to the show. Nothing. That w- yeah. Nothing. That would be interesting. He got <laughs> laid, bro. Maybe that's, I mean, you joke, but maybe that's a thing. Maybe a part of it is that they really didn't want Archie's first time to be with Betty or Veronica because he, they didn't want that baggage. So why didn't they have him do it with Kevin? Are we to believe that him and Val never hooked up, even though they quote unquote dated for an unknown number of episodes? That's a good question. I I do know that um, Marisol told me that there was a lot of Archie and Val that ended up on the cutting room floor. Interesting. Interesting. So with a little luck again, we'll see some version. In theory, Archie and Veronica haven't gone on a date. That's true. Because all Archie said when they, it was it was such a it was it was typical Archie. Yeah. When Veronica was like, "We have something to tell you," and he's like, "We've kissed a couple of times." Yeah. We're oh, orgasm Archie. friends. <laughs> oh, Archie. Oh, he's so awful. So they so they went quickly from kissing a couple times to banging it out in uh, Veronica's bedroom. And that seemed a little quick. Yeah, but I mean. Also, if I was Veronica, I'd be like, Archie, you slept with your teacher. Go get tested. (laughs) You slept with your pedophile teacher. Go to a doctor. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think. He's always fair, Russ. Well, and I think that'll be the, um, you know, the whole when when we see the the classic triangle that Archie and Veronica are very lustful, whereas Betty is, you know, the more emotional connection. So when we hmm. have to suffer through that, because um, eventually we'll have to suffer through that, 
that'll uh, be the the <laughs> you know you're gonna have to it's gonna be terrible uh, we're, all, we're all gonna hate it but that'll be the you know the dichotomy of the two is that he's like more sexually attracted to veronica but betty has that you know that friendship and emotional connection and i think too Listen, the- veronica's hot you know but like betty would be a great mom Fuck you, Archie. <laughs> and that's why Archie's the worst, and that's why love triangles are the worst. That's true. Love triangles are the worst. I hate um, them. <laughs> I, I will say though that in terms of uh in terms of what they set up with Jughead this season, like one of the things that Cole talked about in one of our set visits was this idea that he was obsessed with Riverdale before it lost its innocence. And that Betty kind of represents a version of Riverdale that's not corrupted. Mm. And so mm. the idea that the corruption has now come so close to Archie, uh, certainly I could see the appeal of him reaching out to Betty for kind of similar reasons. And again, that's borrowing trouble because I, I like Betty and Jughead together. But like if you're going to have the love triangle, then storytelling wise, they've kind of given us a reason why it, why it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense regardless. Archie's just awful. So, and well, I mean, neither again, of them. <laughs> they're they're all teenagers. I, I mean, <laughs> I, that's the thing. I'm, Archie's the only believable teenager on this show, you guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's be honest. I was a teenage boy at one point. If somebody who looked like Cammy was after me, I would be like, okay, what time and where? I'm trying to figure out if that's gross or not. Well, that's why I couched it. Doing the math in my head. That's why I couched it as when I was a teenager. Okay, I'll let it slide this time, Russ. That's all right. I'll cut it from the special edition. (laughs) I I also need to know how Archie has been best friends with Betty since they were like five, and has retained absolutely no intelligence from her whatsoever. Like he doesn't (laughs) know what wistful means. I think he's been dropped on his head. Like a lot. He also doesn't know who Bob Dylan is, so. Uh. <laughs> so was there anything in this finale that you guys were expecting that you didn't get and were slightly disappointed about? I thought we'd get an actual Sabrina tease rather than like little uh, dialogue teases, like little and comic little book. dialogue teases here and there. Mm-hmm. But like I, I was like, oh, it would be like, what if like there's like an end, like obviously the end tag was Fred bleeding out in Archie's arms. Yeah. Uh, but like I thought, oh well, maybe there will be like a little mid to post, like sort of post credits, like the Flash does or Arrow does. Yeah. Where yeah, it's like flash the logo on the screen and I'll jump back for this quick little moment. Yeah. And it would be something Sabrina E. But I'm also fine with, like, that's just one more thing they would have had to jam into the episode. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, for the season two finale. Yeah, I mean, and that's... It's funny, because what Roberto said to me was, uh, you know, I asked him, do you think people are going to be disappointed by this, or do you think that your plans for that property in the long term are going to kind of put people at ease? And what he essentially said was that they talked a lot about putting her in the finale, And ultimately, they decided that if you add a character like that and you add the kind of seismic shift of bringing supernatural elements to this world, it would distract from everything else that they needed to do. Which, as like when the Flash came to Arrow, yeah. But like as you can see, (laughs) it was a lot that they needed to do. So distracting from all of that would have been kind of chaos. Yeah. 
Um, and I'd I'd prefer another year of a non supernatural show as long as we get our afterlife Halloween episode. Well, and he I also mean, listen. I don't think Sorry? they. Ha- I don't think it necessarily has to go supernatural. Like I think there are ways of portraying witches without being like they have magical powers. Like Wicca right. is a very real magic is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. I, so think I think that- there are ways to attack that character without making it hokey. Well, he also, like, the other parallel that Roberto drew was Twin Peaks. And the idea that, you know, the supernatural clearly exists on some level in Twin Peaks, but you never really see it overtly used. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing that I noticed when I watched the first episode of Twin Peaks recently, is it really didn't feel like it had supernatural elements at all. It was a human story where a human could have killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess Riverdale's the same deal. It's like once you do introduce a character like Sabrina or Cosmo the Merry Martian, things will change. Yeah. And I would, I mean, frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see Sabrina in Riverdale right away. I think that the, the TV development deal they signed probably has them wondering are they better off just creating a Sabrina spinoff than potentially yes. muddying the waters of Riverdale with witches? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that somebody brought up to me who, you know, I trust who knows a lot about television. Um, she was talking about how, like when the Carrie diaries was renewed for season two, they brought in the Samantha character because that was like a big deal. You know, I wonder if bringing in a character like Sabrina would give the show some extra buzz for season two. Oh, I'm positive. Because, I mean, I mean, Hiram's great and all, but he's not, you know. Young and sexy? Yeah. Yeah. Which is what the CW. <laughs> yeah, the last thing the CW is going to be going nuts over is like, we added a 45-year-old to our show. <laughs> and Molly Ringwald. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, while we're on the uh, the Sabrina thing, I meant to mention this last week, and I didn't. Uh, the idea of... Is there a, a homeless person attacking a telephone? I hear nothing. Hello? Um, so, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty, then. What am I missing? There was, like, Darth Vader. I heard heavy breathing. Yeah, that was really weird. Huh. But, um... Oh, uh, when when Clifford Blossom's hair went shock white overnight, uh, besides the Twin Peaks parallel, the other thing that I thought about was Sabrina and her white hair. Yeah. And the idea that like that could be construed, if you wanted to, as another kind of nudge in that direction. I also, we didn't talk about it, but I know people tweeted about it, including you, Russ, about the Chilling Adventures of Sorcery comic book that FP has. Yeah. Which is yeah, another they, Sabrina Easter egg. Yeah, and that's actually the comic that FP is reading in the cell and then hands to Jughead is actually narrated by Sabrina. <laughs> nice. Like, she's essentially the Crypt Keeper character in Chilling Adventures and Sorcery. Nice. But yeah, oh, so so it's I mean, like an anthology. It's like an anthology book. Exactly. It, it's a, it's like a bunch of O. Henry style supernatural stories that are essentially hosted by Sabrina. And I think there's usually a Sabrina story in the book. 
Um, oh, right on. So that was, that's what that book was. And that was, uh, you know, very early on, I think when the trailer hit, uh, Michelle pointed out to me that there was a comic in his hands and it was like, okay, well, let me see if I can zoom in and figure out what the hell that thing is. And that's it. It's, it's actually, it's chilling adventures of sorcery. Number one, which if you know, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's current comic book, uh, work in addition to afterlife with Archie, he has a comic called chilling adventures of Sabrina, uh, which is also wildly behind schedule. How, how, yeah. How many issues have come out in three years? I think five. Two. Okay. Listen, guys, oh, that's very busy. That's the shield that comes out only twice a year. Uh, well, uh, let's be honest. Ever since Archie started taking on Marvel and DC level talent, um, yeah, everything is, is running a little bit off schedule. Uh, and and depending on what the book is, that could be more or less off schedule. But other than Archie, Jughead, Josie and the Pussycats, and then the the Archie Digest, like the classic Archie line, pretty much anything at Archie right now is publishing when the talent gets done with it. Are they still doing Sonic comics? Or are they done? Uh, to be determined. Uh, what I heard okay. through the grapevine was that that was done that Sega oh, was, that the license had expired and Sega was asking for too much money and that Archie was not into it. But when I reached out to Archie for confirmation on that, I was told that was not accurate and that they were still working on a deal so that at a bare minimum, they could wrap up the currently ongoing stories and try to get art and try to get Sonic to like 300. Cause yeah. Cause Sonic's like the highest numbered comic book out there. Yeah. It's right at 290 now. right now. Um, but yeah, that, that is, it's to be determined, uh, again, uh, everything that I was told both from the, it's going to end side and from the, no, we're still working on it side was very much like, yeah, we're not going to commit to anything. You know, (laughs) this is a good time to bring up. Um, and I had talked to Roberto about this at Paley live that, um, even though we're on hiatus from Riverdale for the summertime, there is a Riverdale ongoing comic book series that is coming out. There's the Archie comic book series written by Mark Wade that has big Reggie story coming up. Yep. Um, so check those things out in the summer. And of course we'll still be around in the summertime, hopefully giving you stuff you still want to listen to. Yep. We're going to be talking about the comics. Uh, we do very soon have an interview coming up with Joe Eisma, who is the artist on the ongoing Riverdale comic book. Uh, and, and, and we have our special guest who's coming hopefully very soon that we keep delaying, but yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And other... <laughs> Tell us, you know, did Fred Andrews screw you over Jason Priestley? Now, listen, I know I'm speaking to maybe two people total listening to this show who also watch Beverly Hills 90210, but what if Fred's actual, the person who actually ordered the assassin was Tony Marchette, the father of Antonio Marchette, who tried to have uh, Dylan McKay killed on 90210. Is that when Dylan faked his death? No, no, no. His dad faked his death. Dylan didn't. Calm down. Well, I thought Dylan faked his death. No, but didn't Luke Perry leave the show for like three years? Yeah, he just disappeared to Mexico or something oh. after his wife died. True story. Um, the reason Dylan McKay's dad came back is Jim Halterman. 
I don't. What do you mean? Uh, Jim was a writer's, I think, a writer's assistant for 90210 in season ten, and he's the one that pointed out that the actor that played Dylan's father could come back. Huh. Thanks so, a lot, Jim. Yeah, Jim Halterman, you know you're listening to us right now. Um. Yeah, but anyway. uh, you know, you know, what we never closed on. We never finished out that Jughead Betty thing. Yeah, and got and get to uh, Jughead. That's because we got interrupted. Somebody's at the door. Is it Betty's mom? Oh yes, and it wasn't <laughs> though. It was the it was the friggin' serpents who magically initiated Jughead into their motorcycle gang. <laughs> even though I don't think he knows how to ride a motorcycle. I don't know how important motorcycles actually are to that gang. I mean, if they're a motorcycle gang, they're very important. Have you seen Sons of Anarchy? <laughs> I have not. You should. You oh. should. Hey, Chris, well, spoil Sons of Anarchy for the... us. Okay. Uh, Who's the killer? Every character, literally every character is the villain. Yeah. Peg Bundy did it. That's true. I do know that. A number of times. <laughs> like, they all did it. They're all the worst. Well, I know most of the plot points because our site gets like a, a huge amount of love for sons of anarchy. Um, it's, it's crazy how much traffic that show drives on comicbook.com. Cause uh, it has so much to do with comic books. Actually, there is a son in it. Sons of anarchy. Yeah, 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 to be fair, there is a yeah. comic and also Kurt Sutter has continued to make more comics after the sons of anarchy comic ended. Uh, and, and I'm still blocked by him on Twitter. <laughs> oh my God. Why? <laughs> He didn't like something I had to say about at the end of his shitty show. Well, I am blocked I by William Shatner, him. and I have no idea why. So He's old. He's crazy. I assume it has something to do with an Arrow Live tweet. I probably made a joke he didn't like, but I literally had no clue that I had been blocked by him, and then one day like somebody linked me to his tweet, and I couldn't see it. And I was like, wow. why? What did I do to offend Shatner? I don't think we've ever interacted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, well, for, okay. So the serpent show up and they're not alone. And I think we all got a kick out of this, but I'm pretty sure no one got a bigger kick out of this than Craig. Craig, who was with the serpents? Hot dog. Finally. And the casting was good. It looked like hot dog. It did. Yeah. But it was kind of a mean hot dog. Yeah. The characterization was terrible. He hated Jughead. Well, that's because Jughead didn't have a burger in his hand. That's why Jughead. It's the secret origin of Jughead and his burgers. Although we did always get, gonna, yeah, we did get a like a a long like a three second slow shot of of Jughead like pornographically biting into a burger this week. But I'm just saying, if Jughead oh. always has burgers on him, Hot Dog is gonna love him. It works on my dog Vader. I'm sure it works on Michelle's dog. Yes. So. I hope he doesn't get burger all over his weird clothes. Hey, do you think that Jughead and Betty, or Jughead and Veronica gave Cheryl back the things that she gave to them when she was planning suicide? No, Jughead <laughs> sold it so he could, you know, take Betty I, out. I swear, I swear to God, I hope Jughead pawned the shit out of that spider. I really do. Okay, Wait, what did, Cheryl give, what did Cheryl give Veronica? I don't remember. The HBIC shirt. Oh, that's right. And she made her captain of the River Vixens. Yeah. yeah. I, it's funny, actually. Uh, and that's how she appointed Polly to be a River Vixen in the deleted scene. There sense. you go. That makes sense. So apparently saying the word dog just uh, kind of like draws my dog in because she just ran into the room while I'm recording. I mean, to be fair, just... 
popped up next to me. To be fair, hey, you also used her name. Hey, what's up, Vader? Okay, my dog's giving me kisses because she loves me, unlike you guys. <laughs> I'm not going to so. give you kisses, Craig. So, and she's wearing a shirt, and she looks very. She's wearing a Spider-Man shirt. Oh, perfect. <sighs> uh, We're Sheriff yeah. Killer when you need him. <laughs> I'll buy her a Sheriff Killer shirt because they're kind of uh, stale. I think we only sold one or a not mug to, or something. Not to me. To me, I bought a mug. No, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we need to come up with we need to come up with something better. I still think we need yeah. to like sell shirts that say, you know, Jason used to. I actually, I, I am on that. I painted a, and I haven't had a chance to scan it yet, but I painted a like a super simple like. Uh, you know, like those those like iconic mm-hmm. movie posters that are like four lines. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I I painted like a super simple like Cheryl Blossom, like just basically like a skinny body with red hair, and I'm just like, okay, now we own this piece of art, and I can like put it on a T-shirt because it's not identifiably Cheryl from a trademark perspective, but for the purposes of our shirt, it clearly would be. I just want a shirt that says Archie's a fuck boy. That's but right. Reggie's the fuck boy. Like the first time we're on set in that interview where Cole refers to Reggie as a fuck boy, it was like the best part of the interview. <laughs> Even better than when he called me flaccid. Even better when nope. they called you fla- when he called you flaccid. Yeah. So anyway, um So what- do we think Jughead joins the serpents? Kind of. How legitimate do we think that is? Not I, at all. He just wants to find out what happened to his dad. He's gonna be this. He's gonna be the Polly next season. Yeah, that, that's not a bad theory. Uh, my for, for my side, it wouldn't surprise me if Jughead likes the idea of having people who have his back yeah. and of having a back channel to his dad. I do think that very quickly, if that like if it's legit and if that's what he's going for, I think very quickly there will be problems because coming with that support will be the expectation that he's going to participate in things he doesn't want to. Yeah. And there's going to be drama with Betty. Oh, for Obviously. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They definitely did not have sex that night. That's true. That's true. They didn't like, because that was 100% like, okay, we need to talk for hours. <laughs> Yeah, they'll probably be broken up at the beginning of the season two finale or the season two premiere, unless I don't, I don't know, man. It, well, I mean, I guess it depends on how much time has passed, but when it picks up. Yeah. Well, and you know, KJ kind of hinted that the Betty and Veronica triangle would be back on, and it really wasn't. No, they like they teased well, it. I, I actually mean, it wasn't. It, I thought it was in an interesting way. We finally got Archie as like displaying feelings about Betty, which we haven't really gotten much of this season. So I right. think in that way, it was very much on because you find Archie realized like, Oh, maybe I am into Betty. I really liked though. Such I, a I, Dawson. I kind of hope, I kind of hope that, uh, that he was on the level with what he said to Veronica, because that was one of my favorite bits of business in the the whole Archie Veronica relationship mm-hmm. was the scene where he's like, okay, you need to understand that like this is what I was seeing in Betty, and this is why I was looking at them that way. Like I I really liked that, and I really hope that they don't immediately 
discredit it in the premiere by being like, actually, that's just what I told you to make you feel better. Yeah. That, I, 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 I hope that's not the case. Um, you have way more faith in Archie than I do. Well, I totally thought he idiot. was lying. That whole, I'm like, oh, you're such a liar. <laughs> here's the thing, though. As much as I loved, <laughs> like, I loved that scene, and I loved him saving Cheryl, and I was totally Team Archie this episode. And then that last scene happens, and it's like, you know, okay, so based on Jughead's narration, we're going to exonerate Archie by virtue of the fact that eventually Fred was the target. But as far as Archie knew, he basically got his dad shot because he acted like an idiot after Fred told him no back down. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it was so it was that thing of like after the the after the Cheryl thing, I was like, "Oh my god, Archie is amazing. This is the best. This is the best we've seen of him all season long." And then like 10 minutes later, it was like, "You fucking got your father shot. What is wrong with you?" Again, Archie is a dumb puppy. But uh, and again, like it'll be interesting to see how much Archie kind of lets that torture him, versus how much he immediately latches on to like it being somebody else's fault. Uh, yeah. But to me, like that was like one of the things that really killed me is, you know, you could have had Fred shot without making Archie look like a dumbass in the process. So unless they're going to yeah. explore Archie feeling guilty, I don't get that scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have. I mean, they have. I understand that, like, a big chunk of uh, at least the beginning part of next season is going to be Archie's quest for revenge for who shot his dad. But like, yes, at a certain point, he needs to realize that, like, and not even necessarily realize that he was at fault, but at least come to an understanding of like this. May- maybe this could have been avoided. Yeah. If I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have been like, if I wouldn't have like tried to jump in front of him to take <laughs> the bullet. Yeah, it's such a weird, like, and I can't, like, that was the other thing. I couldn't tell if he was coming out there to try and, like, be with his dad or to protect his dad or if he was literally trying to jump the gunman from behind. Um, I kind of I kind of read it as he was trying to be the hero and stop the gunman, and his dad ended up having to step in front of the gun as a result of that. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. But uh, so much for us to discuss and think about all summer long. Yeah, this is gonna like it's gonna be a killer. I'm not gonna say it. Don't worry, Chris. But uh, like sheriff killer. We need to have her on more often. I can quit if that would help. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And it's weird because, like, I probably won't be doing uh, Comic-Con TV press, at least. And uh, hopefully they'll be at TCA again. And I'll get to talk to people then and maybe find out some information. Yeah, I'm confident that they're going to be just as supportive of Riverdale next season as they were this season. I feel like you're going to see a lot of them doing press circles because the show is still kind of ratings wise in that area where it's going to benefit from as much attention as it can get. And I think being on Netflix starting eight days from today, um, I believe they always pick it up eight days after the end of the season. Um, 
That means more people are going to be discovering the show. Hopefully, more people discovering this podcast. And uh, whoa, whoa! Oh gosh, sorry. Now my okay, thing started. Yeah, uh, Craig, are my you thing being just, taken? Hold on a second. Uh, my thing just opened a web page and it started uh, doing one of those autoplay ads like you'd find on comic book or something. Huh? You guys, and, I think Craig is being taken. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I totally I have, lost. Hey, listen, whoever's taking Craig, I have a particular set of skills. I'm really good at making pizza dough. And also um, being renewed for a second season for no reason. How oh, it was taken. renewed because Clive Standen is a golden god. <laughs> Who? Clive's Rolo, bro. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Craig. So I totally lost my train of thought when I was hearing something in my ear. Uh, you were talking about you were talking about how people are going to discover the show, and yeah. as a consequence, our show uh, over the summer because of Netflix. Yeah, I think, you know, people who didn't give it... I mean, there is a shit ton of TV to watch. I mean, there are shows that I love that I'm behind on. Like, I'm really liking the new season of Doctor Who, and I'm behind because there's so much else to watch. So that's the I've joy of something like episode. Same here. I haven't oh. seen Beyond there just because I've been busy. Yeah. Um, so this will be fun. Um Hopefully more people will discover it, and hopefully when it comes back, ratings will be good, and hopefully they'll put it on Tuesdays after The Flash. That's my wish in life. I'm in the All right. Well, yeah. I think we're done. Yeah, I was going to say. Wait, are we going to do final thoughts? Because I have one. Okay, go for it. Did you guys get a Twin Peaks commercial during the show? I did, yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm on the West Coast, so I don't know. Okay, it was such genius marketing on Showtime's behalf to run a Twin Peaks commercial during the Riverdale finale. It was Did we see Shelly Johnson? No, we didn't see. No, no that, that's which a, is well, too as bad. With every Twin Peaks commercial, they don't show anything. Well, oh. it's it's strange because they actually released a teaser earlier today where you got your first look at Shelly Johnson and also like in action. And also, yeah. they showed some of the new, younger cast members, like uh, Madeline Zima, who uh, is like uh, the hot girl from the first season of Californication. The, um, the, the fucking and punching girl. Yes. AKA she was also in the awful... Yeah. She was, she's the youngest daughter from The Nanny, you guys. She's the little kid from The Nanny. So and she was also in the that. awful final season of Heroes as Claire's girlfriend. Oh, there you go. And they did, tried to titillate the... I totally forgot about that, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um... So, but here's the thing. Um, I, it's too bad because it almost like as genius as it was to advertise Twin Peaks, I almost feel like they would have done better if they'd used that new teaser where it's like, oh, look, there's Alice Cooper and a bunch of hot young people instead of That's like the true. teaser they used, which was Deputy Andy, Deputy Hawk, uh, Gordon Cole. It was like everybody on there was over 50 and white. Um, yeah. Except for well, Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, any in any event, the idea of bringing Twin Peaks directly to Riverdale is is definitely a solid idea. Um, actually, imagine my, an alternate universe where Twin Peaks aired on the CW, full of old people. Huh. Oh man! Well, <laughs> here's my idea. That. Here's my idea for a final thought before we sign off. Okay. Because uh, we spent the first 
every episode except for last episode, uh, giving our final thoughts with who killed Jason Blossom. So why don't we go around and say, who do you think shot Fred Andrews? Okay. You want to go with Michelle first? Sure. Oh, who do I think shot him or who do I think hired him to shoot him? I, I would say who do I think who do you think hired him? Because like, in my head, I don't think the gunman is going to be important. I think the gunman's going right. to be Mustang too. <laughs> um, we need to know who will hire him. I I really kind of lean towards Hermione. Chris, here's why I don't think it's Hermione or Hiram. I think that would cause such a rift between Veronica and Archie that would be really hard to overcome. Uh, even though Veronica clearly doesn't fall in line with her parents, like that's a like that's a family that's like a break in every kind of protocol that I feel like would be very hard for them to get past. So I'm going to go ahead and say it was either the serpents or someone we don't know yet that was good. That's like going to be introduced next season. I still think it was Hermione. Oh, damn it. Hermione. Uh, I mean, my, my gut is, like I said, my gut after watching it was kind of turning around and saying, Damn, I think that was Hermione because I like I think Hermione is desperate, and I think that she tried to buy him out, and she doesn't want her Hiram involved in anything with Fred. And then I think this was a a move to get him out, or scare him out, or show him that that they're not that Hiram is not playing. Um, but I like that was my gut instinct watching it. The more I think about it, the more I do think we're going to get some new player in the beginning of season two. That's going to become a really good suspect really quickly. Um, you know, Molly Ringwald, <laughs> mommy Ringwald. And not, not even, no, not, not even, not, not even, even Mary. Exactly. Not even Mary Andrews. The actress, Molly Ringwald hired someone to kill Luke Perry <laughs> and they just happened to catch it on camera because she's mad. She got fired from the facts of life 30 years ago. There you go. I don't know why that would be Luke Perry's fault, but okay. <laughs> I'm into it. Luke Perry played Joe on the Facts of Life. That's not true. <laughs> that was Nancy McKeon. You can't fool me, Craig. Damn it. All right. And all so, I uh, now, Michelle I'll... didn't give us final thoughts on her end. She did. She was the first one who went. She said Hermione. Oh. No, I'm talking about before Hermione. the gap. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I'll just shut up. All right, well, why don't we go around the circle again in that same order, Michelle, Chris, or you know what? We'll go Michelle, Craig, myself, then Chris, so we can do the outro. But uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MimiC1019. What does the 1019 mean? It's my birthday. Okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of like how my Instagram is Vader1206. 1206 is my birthday. Now I just need both of your mother's maiden names. And oh, never mind. Wheat. I don't have any money, so you can't steal anything from me. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Same. Yeah. So uh, hire us all. Anybody who's listening, except for Russ, he's got like a regular gig, but the rest of us, hire us. Um, Not to shoot Fred Andrews, but, you know, for other jobs. Hey, anyway. (laughs) 
Nothing murdery. Um, you can find me at KSite TV on Twitter, KSiteTV.com. And my Riverdale tweets are at Riverdale TV. So um, I'll still be posting over the summertime. And yeah, so that's where you can find me for now. Um, who's next? Russ. That's it. Yep, you can find me uh, at comicbook.com. That's where I do most of my writing. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Russ Burlingame, R-U-S-S-B-U-R-L-I-N-G-A-M-E. That's really long. I'm not going to repeat it. So if you don't, if you didn't get that the first time, ECV underscore podcast for the Emerald City Video Podcast. One of the things that I meant to mention and did not, uh, this summer, Emerald City Video is going to do the Summer of Riverdale, where every week... I'm going to sit down with one or more of my co-hosts from Emerald City Video. We are going to look at one of the movies that Riverdale Season 1 took its title from and pair that movie with a classic teen movie. Ooh, I like so, that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll be fun. We, like, uh, you know, one week we're doing Faster Pussycats Kill Kill and She's All That because it's got uh, the other Josie in it. <laughs> I like so yeah, if you if you want to hear my thoughts on mostly a lot of classic noir movies and stuff, and then a bunch of like seventies, eighties, and nineties teen movies, uh, you can follow the ECV underscore podcast on Twitter or uh, subscribe on iTunes or Podbean to the Emerald City Video Podcast. Wait a I second. What if you're going to be doing that, Russ? That means you have to watch to Riverdale and back again, again, doesn't it? I do. Yes. <laughs> sucks to be you but it'll, be, it'll be like 11 weeks from now so i will have been inoculated by then okay i look forward to seeing which what you pair porkies with i can't remember um i because pair porkies with something it's the teen movie or i don't think it was on the first draft of the list i think i added Porky should be the last so. weekend Ooh. yeah but it's not that, on the list you sent me no it 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 no. It didn't get paired with the Lost Weekend because the Lost Weekend I paired with something. Oh, House with can't yeah, animal because oh. of Beth Green who was in Josie and the Pussycats. Um, but also, but, can't uh, hardly wait. A very, I think can't hardly wait goes without a lot. Yeah, it very well. Yeah, exactly. And that's I tried as hard as I could because we're not actually going to be looking at the Riverdale episode or talking very much about the Riverdale episode. Uh, we're we're basically going to be taking the the movies and then adding a teen movie. So where I could, I tried to make the teen movie as applicable to the episode of Riverdale as possible, so that uh, without having to watch three things, uh, we can kind of discuss the themes of the Riverdale episode by discussing the themes of the teen movie. All right. Wait. Like yeah. That. Okay. Cool. But uh, all right. So Chris, where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm at, oh Jesus, so so many places at this point. Uh, you could write, you can find my Riverdale stuff on uh, the Hollywood Reporter. It's at hollywoodreporter.com. Uh, you can find me yelling about the Flash at ign.com. You can find me yelling about stupid fandoms at chrishainer.com. C H R I S H A Y N E R. Uh, I'm also at Chris Hainer on the Twitter and. The- at Waterworld Photos on Instagram, which is the most important, and uh, on Facebook, on facebook.com slash Hainer Writes, like W-R-I-T-E-S. I think that's it, probably. I think, I don't know how to look at it, but it's, I'm there, you know. 
All right. Well, thank you, everybody who's listening both now and over the course of this season. Uh, we've had a ton of fun, and we're really Hell excited yeah, that Riverdale's have. coming back for season two because we want to do season two of this show. And can I say, uh, the, the the listeners we have interacted with are friggin' awesome. Yeah, absolutely. They're super and one of them's on here right now. That's true. Hi, <laughs> Hi. I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking partially about you, but also other people, too. <laughs> Especially the ones that don't put clothes on their dog. Um, they're <sighs> great. Great. My dog no, loves his like, clothes. Every, so does mine. Doing this podcast has been such a blast, and I'm glad it gets to continue. Um, yeah. So thank you. Oh, and I'm so glad. Wait and review it gets... on iTunes, too. Give yeah. it five stars. Or four. Don't go below four. That's rude. What did we ever do to you? That's true. All yeah, right. I mean, if you if you give us anything below four, we're gonna be make like Hermione and send the black hood after you. There you go. That's fucked up. All right, are we wrapping up? <laughs> yeah, we're wrapping up. All right. All right. This has been Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast, and everybody say it with me. It's a podcast. A podcast about, about a story. About a story. It's about a town. And then like wow, we Blossom did it. Was- and then there was like about teen sex. But, and, and Sheriff Killer uh, was behind it all. No, he wasn't. But there was a biker gang with no motorcycles, which is foolish. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Killer stole their bikes. Oh, God damn it, Craig. When he was framing Clifford Blossom and then hung Clifford Blossom. And this was my last episode of the show ever. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Good night. Archie Digest, that's what it's called. I couldn't remember the name of the show for a second. All right.